This morning as we celebrate the feast of the 50th anniversary of the glorification of St. Herman of Alaska, it is a great honor to have with us this morning the very reverend Father Michael Olexa, who was in attendance at that, at that cycle of services. He was in Kodiak for the glorification of St. Herman. Father Michael is a, um, is a generational storyteller, and he has a resume like beyond compare. But more than all of his academic accomplishments and achievements uh, as a priest over 46 years in Alaska, he is a very good man and a good priest, and he's become a good friend. And so it is with great honor and joy that we get to welcome him into our midst for the first time in this parish on the Feast of St. Herman. And Father Michael has graciously uh, accepted my invitation to give the homily this morning. Father, it's good to have you with us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We celebrate today the um, first glorification of a saint in North America, at least in the Orthodox tradition. What's a saint? St. Paul writes to the Corinthians, to the church at Corinth, called to be saints, which means us. Called to be saints, doesn't that sound a little bit exalted? We, we should have the ambition to be saints, like St. Herman. By the way, St. Herman never had that ambition. And no saint ever did. It'd be rather embarrassed that we paint their icons and sing hymns and ask for their intercessions. Because by definition, saints are humble. We know this because God is. What does it mean to be a saint? How could it be our common vocation to become saints? Isn't that a bit, well, prideful and ambitious and exalted and, well, let's be honest, beyond our capacity? Well, to understand this, I think we have to go back to the seventh century theologian, one of the greatest in Byzantium, Maximus the Confessor. He kind of synthesized a lot of the uh, ascetic writings of that time. And he says that the human beings were created as a bridge, as a conduit, as a connecting link between heaven and earth, between creator and creation, between what is permanent and eternal and temporal and earthly, between what is spiritual and what is material. We're the connecting link because we're the only creature that's both. The angels and the hosts of heaven are only spiritual. The animals are only material, but we are the one creature that's both and we're meant to be the connecting link. And when therefore Adam and Eve broke the link by turning away from God, the link was connected and everything below dies. We're responsible not only for the death of ourselves, having broken the link, but the death of every other creature. That's why St. Paul writes to the Romans, the whole creation groans, awaiting the redemption of the sons of men. Because it's our reconnection with God that reconnects the whole creation to God. And the connection therefore affects the whole creation. It's a cosmic disaster that human beings have turned away from God. The saints are those who restore the connection. Now could any man climb up and restore the connection? Obviously not. The Bible is not the story of anyone trying to climb up to God. I don't think there's any story like that. There's Jacob's ladder, but we don't have any evidence that he climbed it. 
He saw it, right? We didn't go up. The Bible is not the story of human beings seeking God. Think about it. It's the story of God seeking us. The initiative is all from the divine side. It's God who laments this breakdown in our relationship. It's God who, who laments the fact that human beings have turned away from him because he still loves us. And this love propels God himself to try in every possible way to reconnect with us. And in Christ, of course, he does, and he does so perfectly. Then Christ, who lived 2,000 years ago, of course, returned to heaven. How was the connection then maintained? Only through the church. The saints are those who have taken the mission of human beings seriously. It's our common vocation, our common task, our common job, our original purpose to hold the world together. Christ has come and restored the connection, and we must maintain it and build it. Now, there's no hope, by the way, that as we build, it'll get better. We should forget that. <laughs> it's not going to get better. Christ himself says, when I return, will I find faith on earth? In other words, there's no idea of some kind of progress, a spiritual improvement, evolution toward the whole world becoming somehow on its own, by its own initiative, what it was meant to be. That was lost when Christ was crucified. That was our last chance. The world is fallen away and dying. And yet, the good news, the gospel is, Christ has come, God has come, and reconnected himself to us, and death itself has been destroyed. That's the gospel, after all. The gospel is death has been destroyed. It's what we celebrate at Pascha every year. Christ is risen and the demons are fallen. Christ is risen and the angels rejoice. Christ is risen and not one dead remains in the tombs. And it's not just the Christians, by the way. It's everybody. Death has been destroyed for everybody. The mission of the church is to bring this good news to all the tribes, which is what brought St. Herman 8,000 miles walking across Siberia to Alaska to tell the people of Alaska, death has been destroyed, God has become man, and by his death he has destroyed death. That's good news for everyone. But now what? What's the saint business? Why is that important? The saints are those who understand. God has revealed to us what our purpose in this world is, is to hold it together. We do it most perfectly, we as Orthodox Christians, when we gather for the liturgy. Because we pray not for ourselves only, but for everyone and everything. The great litany summarizes nearly every possible need human beings might have. We begin with where we are, here in this world, and we raise it up to God. And we ask God, in return, to bestow on us his mercy and compassion, and his intervention, and his miraculous presence, his power, his energy, his love. We hold it together because we lift what is ours, this fallen, sinful, and pain, and, 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 and earth, this earth that is in so much pain, and especially now in the pandemic, in so much agony with deaths by the thousands every day. We raise that up to God, and we ask him to bless, to hallow, and to heal. We hold it together when we gather at the liturgy. We hold it together as we bring the bread and the wine to the altar, because the bread is from the earth. Someone had to plant that wheat, probably not here in Alaska, somewhere in Kansas or Nebraska or North Dakota or Minnesota. 
it had to grow. The sun had to shine on that wheat. The rain had to fall on that wheat. The wind had to grow, to, had to blow across that field. Then it had to be harvested by human effort and ground into flour. And then Alaska Airlines flew it to Anchorage and someone bought it at Safeway. <laughs> and then it had to be baked into bread. And all of that is what we offer to God. That sun, that rain, that wind, that fertility of that earth, and all that human effort and labor that went into it. And we offer that up from the earth, and it becomes communion with God. The earth and heaven are connected. We're fulfilling our, our job as human beings to hold the world together. And this sacred bread is then put into us to give us the power and the energy and the grace to carry that holiness with us into the world. We know from the pandemic how easy it is for people to get infected. You can get infected without even knowing it, right? What's the same with holiness? Holiness is not from us. We can't create it. One is holy. One is Lord. Jesus Christ. But Christ has come to us and he has entered us. He has blessed us. He has physically entered us in the Holy Eucharist and we're to contaminate the world with his presence, with his holiness. That's our job. And of all the people in the history of Alaska who understood that and did it on a conscious and daily basis, it was Father Herman. Why is he a saint? Because he held creator and creation together. He invoked God's mercy on the creation on Spruce Island for 60 years. Not just once, but continuously for 60 years. Anyone who has been there knows there's a sense of sanctity, a sense of a physical sense of holiness in that forest. It wasn't there when Herman arrived. It was there by the time he died. And it was further sanctified by his holy relics. His body filled with God's presence by his constant prayer, by his constant mediation, by his constant holding heaven and earth, creator and creation, the eternal and the temporal together in his life. That ministry as a simple monk brought sanctity to that land, to the very land itself, to the trees, to the forest, to Alaska, to America. I should tell you, some 20 years ago, I had a, a, fr a friend, a visitor from, from Athens, from Greece, come to visit here in Anchorage, and we took him to Kodiak and then to Spruce Island. And we weren't talking about anything, what do we say, political, about church relations or politics or jurisdictional rivalries or any of those things. He took two steps into the forest at Monk's Lagoon on Spruce Island and stopped. And he announced, your church can't be autocephalous. Father, Father George, why do you bring that up at this point? What are you talking about? He said there are all kinds of objections to the Orthodox Church in America becoming an independent, self-governing church, but none of them held any water. You have all the qualifications you need. You have seminaries, you have monasteries, you have theologians, you have uh, churches, you have priests, you have all the outward um, necess necessary uh, characteristics of an independent, self-governing church. I objected only one, on one basis. You have no holy place. To be an independent, self-governing church, you have to have sacred places, like we do in Greece, you know, Mount Athos, Meteora, uh, the, the many monasteries and shrines. You have it. I didn't think you did, but you have it. I've taken two steps 
into this forest and I can say, you have a holy place. This is a holy place. And then he added something even more extraordinary. He said, I've only ever felt this sense of holiness, one other place, this intensely in my whole life. Of course, it begs the question, and where was that, Father George? <laughs> day in and day out, reading the Psalms and performing as best he could as a single monk the monastic rule of prayer. And the island is holy. And when you, we talk about his miracles, but you see, there's only two actually prophecies, one about the forest fire coming and drawing the line in the dirt, in the stones, on the beach, and the tidal wave and putting the icon on the beach. Those are the only two sort of miracles attributed to Father Herman during his life. But after his death, the Aleut people continued to visit his gravesite. On the 100th anniversary of the arrival of the mission in 1894, they built a chapel over his grave, over the, over the cave that he had dug initially and in, in which he was buried. And when they came there, the miracles of healing began. When they visited Father Herman's grave, the sanctity, the holiness, you could say invisibly contaminated them, shone forth like radiation in the hospital. Only this is not radiation made from a machine. This is radiation which is the holiness, the presence of God in his body, radiating out and curing people in the decades and even centuries after his death. That's why we venerate the relics, of course. The person himself physically became that bridge. What is heavenly, holiness, has now filled physically the bones, the body of this man because he spent his life holding the world together, invoking God on this planet. Why do, why do we have, it, I, always, I always cringe, to see domes such as you have on your church being referred to as onion domes. <laughs> I was once at a, a, a tour at Aklutna, and the tour guide said, the, the domes on our church are in the shape of onions because of the onion oil used in our services. <laughs> of course, it's olive oil. <laughs> Has nothing to do with onions, right? But what is that shape that you have so beautifully on your own church? It's Pentecost's flame. This is a place where holiness comes to earth. Where God's presence is here in this world. Where the incarnate one, God who became flesh of the virgin in Palestine, born in Bethlehem, is present. Physically present. The mission of the church is to bring it all together. Heaven and earth, creator and creation. The, the temporal and the eternal. And a saint embodies that. And Saint Herman did simply in his prayer. He wasn't a priest. It wasn't even sacramental. It was simply his loyal, faithful, daily, intense prayer. Holding the world together. And the forest, 200 years later, is a holy place. 
because that one monk lived there. Now, that's our vocation, yours and mine, to hold the world together, to keep heaven and earth, creator and creation, the eternal and the historical or physical, the spiritual and the, and the bodily together, that there would be no separation, that they'll be together because that is what the parousia is after all. The coming together of heaven and earth. It's not the destruction of this planet. God loves the cosmos. God loves the world and sent his son to sanctify it. That's the mission of the church is why we go out and epiphany and bless lakes and rivers and oceans. God will take care of it in the end. It's not going to become holy gradually, as we already said. There's no, there's no uh, optimism in Christianity, unfortunately. It's all going to come somehow to a tragic end. But that end will be a death followed by a resurrection in the image of Christ's death and resurrection. You know his body, as we just heard in today's Matins Gospel, was the same body, the print of the nails, still there. And yet, the closed doors couldn't lock him out, and the sealed tomb couldn't keep him in. That's the image of the world to come. It's the world St. Herman lived in, even while he was alive in this world. And it occurs to me while we were singing the hymns of transfiguration, there's one of the um, hymns that says, this glory that Christ reveals is not only the uncreated light of his divinity, it's the original glory of man. Because if we were doing our job, if we were the creatures God created us to be, we would be clothed in that same light. Adam and Eve were not naked before the fall. They were clothed in majesty. They were clothed in glory. They were the image and likeness of God. And then they sinned and the light went out. And they saw their nakedness and were ashamed. We're the ones who are still naked. But we're meant to be clothed in glory. The priest puts on his vestments and gives thanks to God for clothing us here on earth in glory, in beauty. true. That's what we're supposed to be. So close to God, so close to God that we reflect his glory and his beauty, right? The great saints come close to God and as they do, they become extraordinarily humble. The great sinners who are far from God become extraordinarily proud. It's a rule. The closer you come to God, the more you see your own unworthiness, your own sins, your own faults, and you repent. So the great saints died repent, saying, I have only begun to repent, O Lord. Because being so close to God, they see themselves as they are. Those who are far away can't see even themselves. I guarantee you all the monsters of, of history, Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, Idi Amin, whoever you name them, Paul Pot. They all died justifying everything they ever did without repentance. You see what I'm saying? So here's a rule of thumb. If you're getting close to God, you become more humble. If you're far away, you think you're a saint. Saint Herman never would have considered himself a saint. You see, that's where I started. The great saints never, never thought there would be a day when they would be remembered 
that there would be hymns written in their memory, that there would be icons painted of them and they would be venerated in the church, that their bones would be taken uh, as, as relics to be venerated by the faithful. They never thought so because the great saints know how sinful they are and the great sinners think they're saints. So if we're getting closer to God, if we're praying right, if we're becoming the kind of creatures God created us to be, holding the world together, we should also in that process becoming more humble. If you think you've made great progress and you're getting close to God, you're wrong. If you get close to God, you see your own faults and sins and repent all the more. You see how far you have to go to becoming the Christ-like creature you were created to be. Because you see, the world needs more Spruce Islands. We as a church go out into the world, especially at Theophany, but also other times of the year, to bless nature itself. Because it's not going to be annihilated and thrown away in the end. It's going to be restored in the image of Christ's resurrected body. And so are you, and so am I. Not because we deserve it, but it's God's gift. He's the one searching for us. We're not the ones searching for him. St. Herman realized the Christian vocation as one man saying his prayers humbly in the forest, nobody looking. Can we do the same in our own homes? Can we simply say our prayers regularly and faithfully every day? That's our job, and not to pray for ourselves, finally. What you do for yourself doesn't count. It's what, only what you do for others. What, what are the two commandments? Love God above all, love your neighbor as yourself. If you're only praying for what your own needs and you'll come to prayer because you have an emergency and you want God to address them, he, he'll probably hear you, but it won't count for much on Judgment Day. It's what you've done for others. Done. And that includes prayer. Lifting up what is of this world this fallen, tragic, sinful, and now highly diseased world, <laughs> and asking for God's mercy upon it, connects heaven and earth, creator and creation. We do our job, you could say. We fulfill our vocation as Christians, as Father Herman did, when we pray. Especially when we pray together in the church, because here we have the Eucharist, it's a whole other dimension. Holding the creation, the bread and the wine, together, and making it holy, so we can be contaminated with it, yes, but even back in the closet, because that's all St. Herman had. He didn't have the liturgy. He didn't have a church with a priest. He couldn't gather for the liturgy. But he prayed. And one man prayed, sanctified an island. What if we all pray together? What if we all do it faithfully and regularly? We are here to sanctify and bless this land and these people. America, Alaska, that's our job. To make it holy. How do we do that? We need to contaminate it. <laughs> Not with the COVID-19 virus, but with the presence of Christ. And how do we do that? With the constant prayer invoking God's mercy on this world which God so loved. Amen.